It's March and the tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survival pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes up for grabs. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they win, you survive and advance to the next round. The last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your phones at your convenience. So get in in all of this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink. When along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. So I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Federico, Turnbull, Gilmore, Brown, Chattel, Bothwell, Bay, Bitch, Mahar, Mullen, Millen, Sutter, Pedersen, Pavisey, Curry, Rizukli, Uthard, Hunter, Schofield, Reeves, Ramage, Kia, Dunlop, Wickenheiser, Crombie, Benning, Raglan, Ewan, Micheletti, Ramage, Romming, Pipsalski, Evans, Cavallini, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, yes sir, I'm a blues fan, heartbreak's all I knew, man, that team from old St. Lou, man, got a cup in here, 52, man, gimme a let's go blues. Now, the starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. And Blues fan reacts. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes, located on the best city on the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. We've got that Stanley Cup power, too sweet to be sour. And if you're still curious, we are talking about St. Louis. This is your home for St. Louis Blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. I am your founder, Tom Franklin, joined by my amigo Wags and my uh, new hombre, Blues fan reacts, also known as Mason. Uh, first of all, Wags, how you doing today? Ah, well, as you alluded to earlier, I'm about ready to go to the dark side on uh, some of the things mm. that are going on with the Blues. Uh, I, I was so upset last night that I slept for 12 hours. 12? Gee wow. whiz. That, 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 is, that is a good depression sleep right there. I mean, uh, you know, I hope you're okay. Let's let's get back to you in just a second. Mason, are you, are you doing any better than our friend Wags here? Uh, I mean, I've been screaming after videos last two days now so i mean i can't say i'm wonderful but uh hey at least my vocal cords haven't ripped yet so i guess that's a bonus and you drank your throat coat tea today so uh, you are prepared indeed. for this episode uh, uh i am of course drinking a hard cider from uh, center ice brewery of course cheap plug there uh, zero, zero, zero gang. here you go mom i'm not drinking 
Yeah, exactly. There, exactly. That that is that is a that that's not a fake can of Coke. He tried tearing off the label before we recorded. It is, right. it is an actual can of Coca Cola Zero. So, mom, yes. he's not drinking. Okay, yes. okay, very good. That's important. Um, first of all, I want to give a uh, before we get going here, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan. He was on KMOX this morning on sports on yeah. a Sunday morning with uh, Tom Ackerman. Uh, talked mostly about uh, Warrior Hockey here in St. Louis and uh, his affiliation with that. So uh, you can check that out by going to stlfanreport.com. And uh, he's got a post up there. You can uh, listen back to his uh, appearance and read up on his recent efforts with uh, Warrior Hockey. And uh, I'm glad to see a guy doing well. And uh, uh, he had a good hit with uh, Tom Ackerman today. So please, I'm always, when I say today, I mean Sunday. Uh, so if you're listening on Monday, it was yesterday, but you can go back and listen to it so uh shout out to him uh, but i can't shout too loud uh because uh guy he we don't have an aloha commentary from him today because apparently he has been put in the penalty box in his own apartment building uh because apparently saturday night he was yelling a little too loud for his neighbors neighbors called the building and the building told uh, guy okay 24 hours you are not uh going to you know you're on a 24-hour probation essentially if you get caught yelling again then we're they're gonna have to take action so no so yeah he got put he got put in the sin bin um uh last night so but uh so he i think he went out to his car to do his hit on kmox this morning so uh always be nice to your neighbors i know uh, mason you're you're in a house right now which i envy you for because you can scream as as you want and no one's gonna hear you but uh just 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 a word of warning if you move into an apartment mason you're gonna have to respect your neighbors Yes, yes, yes. I yeah. realize that. I feel pretty lucky I could scream right now. So I'm taking advantage of it is what I'm doing. You might scream have to become all of us. You might I'll have to be blue. All of you. you might have to be blues fans softly reacts, you know, once you move into an apartment there. So <laughs> blues fan whispers. The calm and gentle blues fan reactionary fan. There we go. Mm. There we go. That that that'll sell. Um, so what we're gonna do going forward, um, for Aloha commentary will be back on Thursday. And I think we're going to keep them on Thursdays going forward uh, because mm-hmm. Sunday's our big show. Obviously, you know, we're, we're live with you guys. You, a lot of you are at home uh, just chilling on a nice, you know, afternoon. And, um, you know, we like hanging out with you guys. But we throw like feature after feature after feature mm-hmm. at you on Sundays. So, um, you know, Luke Whitman is back today. He's got a recap wrap today. And so we are going to move Guy to Thursday so that uh, uh, his fans and uh, and you as well have a reason to uh, listen to our Thursday episodes as well. So um, first of all, and of course, welcome back to Luke Whitman. His recap wrap is ready to go. He uh, recorded it. I He sent it to me at 345 in the morning. Wow. Oh, goodness. Yeah, he's he's a busy guy. Uh, Luke Whitbin is a man of many talents. He, in addition to uh, being an internet rapper, he is also a uh, college baseball coach. So I know from a fact of doing uh, Southern Illinois Edwardsville uh, baseball this season that that can be pretty time consuming. So uh, uh, so so, but that doesn't stop Luke. He he will stay up until his family has gone to bed, and he will kind of softly rap for us here. And he's going to do that for us right now. Here is the return of MC Luke Whitbin. If 
finally home from California for a couple gets the nights, but no homecoming for Petro. Upper body needs some ice. Jordan Bennington was playing. Get used to that. Got him six more years. Get the man his check. The Blues had pressure in the first. Both goalies good early. Didn't think we'd have to face some false positive flurry. Still, our defense must have worried since they left a social distance when they left on alone. Same with Marsha shows backhand. Down to oh, we look sluggish. Till O'Reilly sniped the corner. Golden Knights would pack up too. Nosek works Krug on the doorstep. Speaking of a doorstep, Joshua just got off ice in time for Sammy Blade to bring the puck and barely keeps the Blues offside. Puck is caught up in the crease and Tarasenko puts it home for his first goal since October. Hope his shoulder isn't broke. In the third, the Blues would tie it. Sanford on the power play. Then the note would take the lead of falling shent to Perron's blade. But this is the Blues. We can't have nice things. As Tom Calhoun was still talking, the game was tied by Martinez. Thanks to Kairou's defense, his second lapse of the game. We got no shots in overtime thanks to a tripping penalty. Riley Smith wins it. Blues get a point in seven straight. Maybe we should make a point to not get 40 shots a game. Or better yet, how about no shots? Because the very next day, Billy Husa was starting. What more do I have to say? You're killing me, Billy, with this willy or won't he? Save the shot that is opening. You're an NHL goalie. Somebody get the Zamboni. We got a mess in the creek. Maybe our call to Colton Ellis won't be his only this week. Pay attention to Flurry. That's how you inspire a team. Make the saves that aren't easy and watch the confidence beam. Or just give up rebounds while your defense does nothing. Slide out of the net while Stone goes headhunting. At least Blaze and Punning made a nice play on the wall. Tarasenko muscles his man past his blade deeks and scores. It wouldn't matter, of course. Patch ready on his horse. Blows by Vince Dunn and gets a goal off the post. A five on three. We were toast. Why would we score on that? We couldn't stop Mark Stone, so we tried lifting the net. Then we tried emptying it, but we couldn't make a pass, so they won and I'm mad. When is Pareko coming back? Once again, Luke Whitman is the voice of the people right there. Oh, I think uh, he covered a number of grievances there that I think we all have. Uh, starting off with, you know what? Let, let's get it out of the way right now. He mentioned Mark Stone. So Blues fans have been looking forward to Mark Stone coming to St. Louis. This is going to be his come up. And Tyler Bozak is still injured. He's not playing. So it's time for Clifford and, you know, Joshua and some of the other pug uglies on the team, you know, to show Mark Stone the business. And what happens? Well, in two games, Mark Stone scores three goals and generally is unscathed. So uh, let's let's go to Mason on this one first while Wax percolates a little bit. Uh, do you think that the Blues did enough to stop Mark Stone? Uh, no, they didn't lay a finger on him. Yeah. What, fi- what I think is hilarious is when Dakota Joshua laid out Ryan Raves, who's a player who very yeah. much deserves to be laid out. I love him, but he definitely deserved that hit. And yeah. then immediately some guy on Vegas named after a vegetable freaking coleslaw <laughs> came to his defense. <laughs> Tyler Bozak's injured and nobody touched Mark Stone for this for these last two games. Does that piss anyone else off? It, it pisses me off. I mean, not not a single body on him whatsoever. And he looked comfortable in Enterprise Center. He looked like he was happy to be there. And you know what? He is an opposing player. He should not feel comfortable in, you know, the opposing team's arena. This that that's one thing Nashville does right is when you're in, you know, the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, you hate playing there. The fans make it awful for you to be there mm-hmm. if you're a blues fan. And here we are, you know, at Enterprise Center and uh uh, Mark Stone just having a, a happy, happy, good time. By the way, Vegas fan sh- uh, chiming in here. He says he's good with it, but uh, okay, that that's your one for this episode there, uh, Mr. VJK coverage. Uh, Wags, should more have been done against Mark Stone? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. yes, when the hit happened back uh, in the first time that we played Vegas, you were expecting two days later retribution, and, and it would have been valid. There was time between that and now, and I think things have kind of cooled off, and that's a little disappointing because this is a budding rivalry here. And if you aren't willing to continue that and to make a statement, there's something wrong with that. And, and it's so surprising for a, correct, for a Craig Berube-led team. Greg Berube was a physical, tough, beat-down kind of player. And how is that not in the mindsets of them? And yes, Luke's right. Every opposing player is comfortable in Enterprise. They really are. I- I've never seen or heard people say they are afraid to come into St. Louis. Nashville, Chicago. I mean, hell, even Vegas players don't want to go play in Vegas either. Oh, and they're a yeah. relatively new team. So the yeah. fact that nothing happened, it, it had to happen on Friday night. It had to happen. That's when it needed to be done. You needed to insert a guy like a Clifford and let him just go wild and just beat the shit out of Mark Stone and and, and make a point. Now people are like, well, it's too late. You can't do anything. Yeah, you can sit there and say, oh, well, April, they could do something. No, that that's pointless. It, it, you've played two games. You've lost two games. Mark Stone has been electric. In the series, is he's he's done well against the Blues. Like you got to find a way to take him out, and they just didn't do it. And they kind of let him walk all over him, the the team, and that really set the tone for the weekend. It really did. And I know, I, look, I, I'll give fans somewhat of a pass just simply because we can't. We, there's not a lot of fans allowed in Enterprise right now, so mm-hmm. you know you're pretty much going from almost like one neutral venue to another. You know, essentially without you know the you know ten you know over ten thousand fans in an arena. I mean, it's just gonna it's just gonna be different. But that being said. You know, I remember I had season tickets for the St. Louis Rams during their glory years. And during the playoffs, the year they won the Super Bowl, there was no more intimidating place in football to play than the Edward Jones Dome because it was a dome. So it trapped all the sound and you had 50,000 plus Rams, the St. Louis football fans who had not seen glory like this ever pent-up frustration and that place was rocking and it's an intimidating place uh fan uh players that go to bush stadium for instance you know with all its history they can still make bush stadium very loud over forty thousand fans there now of course enterprise center doesn't hold 40 or fifty thousand fans it holds twenty thousand. but you bring but it, it brings up a point mason in that like i remember in the playoffs you know during the stanley cup playoffs yeah the place was loud but was Boston particularly intimidated at playing at Enterprise Center? Not really. So I got to ask the question, Mason. Have Blues fans gone soft? No, I don't think they've gone soft. But the thing is, is about the 2019 playoffs is what people would say. It's like they wouldn't say, oh, that's a tough arena to play in. The Sharks wouldn't no. say that's a tough arena to play in when they were on no. the back, backs or to the wall. They would say that place is loud. Yeah. That's all they would say. It's not a tough arena to play in. And it's been like that, I think, for the Blues' entire existence. We've never been a home team. We've always been a fantastic road team. That's what carried us through 2019 was our road record. Sorry, fans. That's just, that's just how it is. It, it's, that, that's how we won the Stanley Cup uh, championship was we had a, a spectacular road record. We were actually, exactly we right. actually had a losing record at home. Yes, During we the did. Playoffs. And we've and like you said, right now we're having a losing record at home and we're having a really good record on the road. So, I mean, as much as I love watching the Blues play in St. Louis all and all of that, can we just like take a take a breath on Enterprise Center? Let's just like make all the games road games, do a giant road <laughs> trip. 
you know, give the fans their own section and then let's let's do that because that's the only way that they play good. And it just it just baffles me. Is it because they're maybe too comfortable? Is it because they let the other team in it early on home games and it just saps the energy out of the building? Like, I'm not really sure what the problem is. Yeah, uh, as Luke Whitman points out, the Blues have had a good home record in years past, but this season has not been good. And again, you know, with with no fans or just, you know, the couple thousand fans that are allowed uh, wags, you think maybe it's just a coincidence maybe that they're playing bad at home? I think it definitely is. It, it Like you said, it feels like it's a neutral site. Look how they yeah. played. Look how they played up in Edmonton last year. It, it was a neutral site. Everybody kind of had the same experience. And I think that the Blues almost need that full arena to, to kind of play up to it. <clears throat> and they play well in hostile environments. They really do. As, as Mason said, on the road, they're pretty good. Luke's right, though. Last year, I think they were 27-5-3 or something at home. So they had yeah. a pretty damn good home record last year. But yeah. you had fans in the stands. It was still off the high of a Stanley Cup. I mean, so the excitement mm. level was different. So, yeah, I think once we get back to, to full – arena capacity and the fact that you've got exciting guys playing for this team, I think it'll change a little bit. So I, yeah, I think it's more coincidence more than just bad play uh, or, or more than just, you know, not being able to play at home. I, I think there's more to it though, as to why things are not going the way it should be this year. Okay, I will admit with my Blues fans are getting soft comment. That was just me being a goon trying to rile you guys up. I know, I know when you know the full Enterprise Center crowd is 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 allowed. You're gonna pack every seat in that place. You're gonna fill every standing room only spot that they can possibly sell, and you're gonna rock that place. Okay, I'll just mm-hmm. I'm just messing with you, just making sure you're you guys are still with us here because I know it's been kind of a long rough period for hockey just in the last calendar year. I mean, we are basically at the one-year anniversary of when COVID-19 officially became a pandemic mm. and all that all that came with it, which I would just as soon put behind me. I'm already on the way, by the way. I've got one of my two vaccines done and out of the way. So uh, uh, next one will be April. Uh, uh, you guys on the way to getting vaccinated too? or um, What the thing about Utah is right now, they're not really opening the vaccines until unless you have like a real like have to like so seniors and things like that and i'm i'm like i'm young and i know i've come in contact with it so i don't really think i need it so i'm just i'm just waiting for all like the all the people who really needed to get it first and then if there's like an available spot or something like that i don't want to take somebody else's spot in that so i'm gonna be waiting for a while just to get it just to make sure that people who need it get it literally i i think i got it just simply because i'm fat that 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 is that, that, that well, for once being chonky actually you're fluffy you're benefit. not fat you're fluffy well thank you I'll, I'll i'll say that from now on i'm fluffy okay i'm uh i had a guy in Me- i worked with in memphis radio uh uh call us robust we are we are robust people okay and for once being robust <laughs> helped when it came to uh getting the vaccine uh waggy of have you got your appointment set up yet uh, not yet i'm on the i mean i guess i'm on the waiting list or, or what have you i i, I think i and one of those groups that can get it a little bit earlier with the Crohn's and being a fast food worker and all that stuff. I think I can get it. I just haven't gotten any feedback, I guess, from the city of St. Charles or what have you. I, I have no idea what's going on, to be perfectly yes. honest. They yes. haven't done a great job of communicating. 
I had to, I had to, I signed up through the state of Missouri and that's how I got mine. And I still had to drive an hour to get it. Um, which is okay. Cause I drove to where my dad lives essentially. So oh, it, it, right. it kind of, it kind of worked out. Um, course, but, uh, I will warn you by the way, when you get the vaccine, don't expect to use your left arm for like a day because you will not be mm-hmm. able to lift it above your head. This is about as far as I could get on Friday, the day after I got my vaccine anymore. And I was like, <laughs> You know, doing doing one of those. So well, it's because yeah. the government's tracker is still in your arm. You got to oh. wait for it to go through your system before don't, you can lift. Yeah, it. don't forget about that tracker. That's for yeah, sure. There's a government tracker in every single vaccine. You know, the conspiracy theorists are right. Always listen to conspiracy theorists. They're batting a thousand nowadays. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Uh, this guy is not a conspiracy theorist, but he is a friend of the show, Roland Spink, uh, saying, "What's oh, up, God. everyone? Thanks for checking in." And also, I noticed uh, a, a friend of mine and an old uh, friend of yours, Wag, is lurking around. Uh, amongst our listener base uh debbie monterey from kmox dropped a uh facebook like on us i she might be watching Ah. right now so shout out to debbie uh and uh shout out to anyone else at kmox uh watching right now my uh fellow comrades that i see well at least i see most of you i get in you know get in at 2 30 in the morning so there's not a whole lot of you i can see but uh thanks email me with a job offer email me with a job offer and i'll move tomorrow you we'll, we'll get to we'll get to work on that okay uh, uh we, 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 we 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 gotta make it we gotta make a person disappear to accommodate that though and we're not gonna that's true we're, we're not well, we're it'll not be you that's okay we, it'll oh, just be you okay. and we'll be new tom <laughs> all right well we want to thank blue fan <laughs> reacts for being a part of the show here um it's it's a shame that he has other commitments and cannot continue um <laughs> Yeah. I all right. That. All right. All right. That, that that was your penalty box moment for <laughs> you know for, for for about a few seconds there. Um, <laughs> getting back to Vegas here, so um, I wanted to wanted to bring this uh, to you guys. Speaking of KMOX guys, uh, Tom Ackerman tweeted out, uh, "Congratulations, Golden Knights! You are now the most hated team among the Blues fan base." Hmm. Um, Wags, do you agree with that? Um, I think they're on their way to being one of the most hated. Uh, obviously, the, the the Chicago hatred is still there. The Detroit hatred is still there, although it's cooled. And I, yeah. I actually, I posed that question to to Tom as well. I was like, you know, is Vegas now the new rivalry, uh, surpassing Chicago, Detroit, and Nashville? Because it's more immediate, yeah. And they've only been in the league for so long. But it seems like they've just been ahead of the curve and have been doing things that have taken teams 10, 15 years to do. And they're just a pain in the ass right now. And I, I can see them becoming a big-time rival. And you throw in the Petrangelo thing and a couple other instances, Ryan Reeves on there as well. And they're well on their way to being the team that people are just pissed off to play. Absolutely. By the way, Luke Whitbin, I can just make people disappear. Yes, he well, can. Don't you know, Luke, this is a product of the Imperial Empire and we can pretty much do, you know, whatever we want. I mean, we make Darth Maul disappear in the bottom of a trash pile, okay? You know, he we can, can we, straight up he could straight up pull a Joseph Stalin on me. He can just disappear might uh, be from the history books. Yeah, yeah. It, mm, I need we to don't, watch we don't, my back. We don't talk about that. Uh, hi NSA, <laughs> how are you guys doing today? Um by the way, uh, Roland Spink asked the question. Um, we'll get back to the fan base thing here in just a second. But do you think Bennington should have started both games? Mason, we'll go to you on this. Uh, no, I don't think so. I would have rather. No, no, Wags. No, 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 no. I think <laughs> no. I would rather have. Because Huso, other than against Colorado, he hasn't played a really good team. 
You know, as True. you can paint it any way you want. The Blues have not been playing good teams. So Vegas is a good, fast team. I thought it was a great test for him. Second half of a back-to-back, it's only logical to put him in net, right? Well, it makes sense, but then Vegas started Flurry both yep. games back-to-back, and Flurry has had some stamina issues in recent mm-hmm. years where he's gotten worn down very quickly. Um, I would have said, I would have said, yes, start Biddington both games. You, you're, you're paying him the big bucks <laughs> to play the big time games. And anytime you got Vegas on the schedule this year, that is mm-hmm. a big time game because of the way the divisions are. And just because of how good Vegas is and how, um, you know, chippy Vegas wants to be against the blues. And, and I'm, I'm not saying like dirty, but I'm just saying they have a chip on their shoulder when they mm-hmm. face the Blues every time, because there's still a lot of Vegas fans. I feel that they are still trying to prove themselves, you know, amongst the league. So you want your best playing against the best. And Vegas started the number one guy, and the Blues didn't. And I'm not saying it's Huso's fault. It definitely wasn't. I think there's no. uh, some other issues going on here. Zone exits um, that are uh, contributing to uh, uh, the Blues issues against uh, uh, Vegas and other teams this season. Um, but I would have said start Biddington, if only for the fact that on Monday night or tonight, if you're listening on listening or watching on Monday, the Blues are taking on the LA Kings. Yes, they're a team that have given the Blues some fits this year, but ever since the last time the Blues took on the Kings, the Kings have been kind of on a downward. They're going like back down into the to the bottom. So mm-hmm. I would have said start Biddington Friday, start Biddington Saturday, rest him Monday against the Kings, start Huso against the Kings to start that series, and then maybe you can bring Bennington back on Wednesday. That way you get him at least three full days of rest. Uh, Wags, what do you think? See, I, I think you definitely should have played Bennington last night, especially considering Flurry was going as well. You need you were going to get the best, and the fact that you only took one point on Friday, you need to get maximum pointage out of the Saturday night game. But I do see... The point that I think Mason's trying to make is you got to see what you have in Billy Huso against a good team because what do we say about April? April is full of these games against every team at the top of this division, Colorado, Minnesota, and Vegas. So Mm -hmm. it's almost like you want to wait until April to see what you have and if you're going to even play Billy Huso in those games throughout April because you might see Jordan Pennington play 90% 90% of the games in April. So I mean, this might be a, a twofold thing. Get him enough rest to be ready to go full tilt in April and also see what you have in Billy Huso to yeah. see if you're going to be able to play him in those games. So That's I fair. would have started Bennington. I wanted to get maximum points against Vegas because obviously they're a team you're chasing. They have game in, games in hand against you. So you got to kind of eliminate some of those potential points that they can get while they have those games in hand. Uh, but I'm not totally upset that Billy Huso started. Uh, I honestly think, you know, maybe you go with Huso on Monday night as well, get him a little bit of confidence uh, against the Kings and then give Bennington that time off to really prepare himself for the stretch of April. I think that's possible. I think definitely you will see. I, I would expect to see Huso in at least one of those games this oh, week yeah. against the Kings. Um, the Blues uh, then go uh, to play a Friday, Saturday set with the San Jose Sharks. So we might see Huso there as well. And then it's right back to the Golden Knights for uh, uh, for one of those makeup games from earlier in the season the following Monday. 
And then we're starting to get into the wild and avalanche, which is a whole other basket of problems that we are not going to get into this episode. Uh, let's stay positive because that's that, the, that we're getting to the part of the schedule that scares me. Uh, Luke Whitbin points out, despite my rap savagery, Huso uh, made some nice saves. The problem for me is he's having the Jake Allen effect on the team. You know, a bad goal is mm-hmm. coming and that ruins the team psyche. I, I, I wish we weren't at that point with Huso, and I don't think it's entirely deserved from Huso. I mean, no, he's not Bennington. He's not a top level NHL goaltender. So yes, he's going to let in a bad one or two, but are we starting to get the yips already with Huso Mason? A little bit. He's really approaching. He's approaching fast on Chad Johnson territory. Like I've said, Uh, you know, he is, uh, he is a little bit, uh, he is, he's, he's, I mean, I get, he's a young goaltender. I understand that. What's he running? A four, four, pretty much a four even goals against now? Uh, let's go ahead and take a look at the stats on that real quick. Ville Husso is a 357 goals against, and he is an 879 save percentage, which is anything not I consider under nine is not very great. Not good enough. Not even close to good enough, especially with you know how much talent we have. I mean, in, the injury excuse can only go so far with this team. I mean, we're not just – it's not just the fact that we're bad because our goalie's bad. But, yeah. Uh, this is, it's like there's no motivation. There's very little motivation in that room right now. And I think Ville Husso is like feeding off of that. And he's like, well, if they don't care, why should I care? And I get it. He's probably trying his hardest. I get that. But like, I'm sorry. If he might, who knows? In the future, he might be good. He's not good. He's not. And we can't, can we rely on him to win a key game? I, I don't. Not with a set, not with an 875. I can't. Well, what doesn't help him is the fact that the defensive composition as it stands right now for the Blues, you have a lot of puck movers, and I think that's been by design a shift in philosophy with the defense. You don't have a lot of people movers on defense. I mean, you know, Mikola's one. Pareko would be one if he was healthy, but uh, of mm. course he's not healthy. Um, you know, Scandella is kind of a heart and soul type, but then you, you, you have your Krugs, you have your Duns, you know, of, of, of the world. And uh, it seems like that a lot of the defensive mentality is to move the puck, move the puck, which in theory should negate the issues that the Blues have in getting out of their own zone as uh, Wags taps into the dark side a little bit here. Um, Wags, we got to talk about these zone exits, man. Um, They're not doing Huso or Bennington any favors, and they just continue to be a problem. Hoffman couldn't get the puck out of the zone, and that allowed the second goal uh, Saturday night. Wags, at this point, what do you do? I honestly don't know because this has been an ongoing thing. It's not just this year. It's not just last year. It's been for the last five or six years where zone exits have been the bane of this Blues team. And they were able to overcome it the year they won the Stanley Cup. But if you remember, go back to the first part of that season in 2018, 2019. That was the main reason this team was not able to produce wins. They couldn't get out of their own zone. Yep. Late late in that season, they kind of moved some stuff around and were able to exit the zone. But even in the Stanley Cup Finals, there were moments where they would fall back into that same routine of just not being that cohesive five-man unit. And that's what I think it comes down to is you're seeing a lot of disconnect between the defenders and the forwards. There's a lot of open ice in between those two sets. And teams like Vegas that push, 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 they're there. I, mean, I was watching my game, the game with my parents last night, and my mom was like, man, there's a lot of white on the ice. And they're talking about the, the Vegas jerseys. 
And that was a true point. You looked at it and you looked again. You see a couple of Blues defenders here. You see probably all five Vegas guys in the middle. And then a a Blues forward just kind of in the outside of the picture there. You didn't even see the other two forwards. And I think that's the biggest thing is that they're just not moving as a five-man unit. And we kind of got blinded by the fact that they won the Stanley Cup in 2019 and forgot that that was the main issue that plagued them. And it's back again. And yes, you can sit there and say, oh, well, injuries are affecting the team. They haven't played well together. That's not it. It's the simple things. It's coming back, helping your teammates, get the puck out of the zone first and go from there. And to your point on puck movers versus people movers, honestly, tell me the last time that the Blues had a true people moving defenseman. Chris Pronger is my, is my, I mean, Barrett Jackman. I would say too. Jackman. Jackman, yes. Jackman. Mm-hmm. But Jackman that, how was long has that been? One. How long yeah. has that been? I mean, so, I mean, Bort- I mean, Bortuzzo has his moments, but I mean, he also, I mean, he also kind of is what he is. Defender, he's, he's a third pairing defender, though. He's a third pairing defender. Yeah, one could argue Shattenkirk too. He wasn't a people mover. No, he, he was. He was. He was he not was a, a physical defenseman. He was a good. He was a good puck mover. And at one point, you know, we were asking the question: Should we keep Shattenkirk or Petrangelo? You know, mm-hmm. and of course, we. I think we ended up choosing correctly there. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Shattenkirk was, was definitely definitely a puck mover type. Roman Polak, remember Roman Polak? Yep. You, do, you don't open the Polak mm-hmm. door. Uh, well, he also was just generally bad at hockey, so that's why he got moved for you know Carl Gunderson. And every team that has had Polak seems to regret having him. So there you go. <laughs> you don't open the Polak door, no matter what you do as an NHL uh, a GM. But uh, um, you know, one point that Luke makes here is uh, the Blues have played terribly in front of Huso. But at the same time, Huso almost never bails them out, which is something which is, you know, it, it, it's a little harsh. But at the same time, it kind of goes back to what I was talking. I, I was talking with a guy about Bennington uh, right after he uh, signed his contract. And one thing that Bennington has that Jake Allen doesn't is that ability to inspire confidence in the players in front of them by making the big save every now and then um, to keep them in the game, keep them alive and inspire the players. Jake Allen, I felt, was severely lacking in that. Like, the team did not play confidently in front of Jake Allen because Jake Allen didn't play confidently. It feels like a lot of a team's, you know, motivation and confidence almost stems from the goaltending position. You know, mm-hmm. if if you know you got your boy, you know, watching your back, if, if you know that he's going to be making big stops every now and then, you play better. It's, it, it's just the way this yeah. Blues team has been. And, you know, I... Do, do you agree, Mason, that, you know, maybe Huso is, you know, kind of suffering from the same issue that Jake Gallon and that, you know, maybe he's having some confidence issues. Maybe he can't make the big stop and maybe some of his players are doubting him. I mean, we've seen him make big stops before this season already. He's made a he made that save of the year candidate on yeah. Evander Kane wide open in one of the Sharks games. But can we rely on him to do a big bailout save every game? We can't. And that's why the Blues, I don't think are comf- I don't think that's why the defense is comfortable because they know that if they do one little fuck up, it's automatically a goal and they just expect it and then they just kind of like it's like there's no desperation. Yeah. You know, you'd think that if your goalie wasn't playing well behind you, you would like show a little bit of desperation, but it just it it seems like they're like, Oh, we we fucked up and they're they're gonna score here. Oh well, well, let's just get ready for the next shift. I'm gonna sit down, I'm gonna drink my Gatorade, I'm gonna go have some fun on the bench. But 
it i don't know i don't know what the problem is there but you know you you do want that's i i have noticed that the team does play a lot more confidently in front of biddington because he makes a save of the year candidate every freaking game so that's a lot of the issue even some fans can get can can jump on Bington a little bit as well. And Roland Spink reminds us that Blues fans ruin goalies. They jump their butt way too early. Mm-hmm. Huso is a rookie. Now I'm not saying that I'm not saying he's necessarily right, but being a Blues fan and dealing with the goalies that we have dealt with for the past 20, 25 years, um, I think has almost you know trained us to be harsh on goaltenders. It's just you know where it's 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 almost in our nature to have feel like you have substandard goaltending, which leads me to the Bennington contract: six years, thirty-six million dollars. Uh, for a guy that at this point, uh, let me go ahead and pull up his stats here. But at the time that he signed. I think he had a 269 goals against average and a 908 save percentage. That was before Friday's game. Uh, now his numbers are uh, 281 goals against and a 906 save percentage. But you're giving him six years, $36 million to be the guy. And at times, he has shown that he can be the guy. I still think he can be the guy. He is not the guy this year, not because of necessarily anything that he's doing, but we've talked about the defensive issues. We've talked about, you know, bad positioning by Ben Stunn. Our favorite scapegoat is back again, by the way. He had a couple real duds against the uh, um, Golden Knights this weekend. Uh, but six years, $36 million. You know, first of all, before we get into maybe how Bennington's doing this year, let's let us let us look at Bennington as a whole and look at that contract and look at what other you know, goalies in the league have gotten for, you know, contracts. Mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom's probably his easiest comparison because he got the exact same money, six years, mm-hmm. $36 million from Calgary. So uh, let's go to Mason. Is Jordan Bennington a six-year, $36 million goaltender? He's a $6 million average annual value goaltender, but not a six-year, $6 million average annual value goaltender. He so might be a, he can be a six-by-four. I can okay. agree that he's a six by four. Is he a six by six? No. We're already seeing his stats decrease. And I know it is. Of course, once again, the freaking, our defense is made out of chicken wire and wax paper. So I don't really, <laughs> like, I can understand that. But, like, I'm, like, I'm like genuinely lost. I don't understand why, I don't understand why he gave him that big of a contract, knowing that in four years, five years, that is going to stink. But here's the thing, though. Three years of that contract, he has a full no trade. They basically told Bennington to go ahead and sit pretty. In fact, I talked about this at length with Guy um, uh, right after he signed his contract. I was driving in South City when I saw the first announcements, uh, the first notifications on my phone that he signed a new deal. And, of course, if you've driven, you know, Hampton or Kings Highway during rush hour on an afternoon midweek, that's some mm-hmm. Jesus. That's some Jesus take the wheel stuff. So I couldn't <laughs> stop and react right right at that point. But I got home and then guy was live. I jumped on and talked about the Bennington deal. And, and here is my first here's my first reactions to it uh, with guy, the Wyatt Blues fan. Bennington's blood type is ice water. Yes. That just because he has uh, that ice water just courses through his veins and nothing bugs him except except every now and then like unless unless you start chirping him if you're the San Jose Sharks or if you're Kyle Clifford you know I got no issue with ago. that but that's that, got, that's that's a good response though I mean you know yeah, you it was, want it was the you want your goalie to stand up for uh, you know for himself you want your goalie to show that fire every now and then when when you know against the Sharks 
it was a very difficult game. It was a ping pong battle back and forth. And yeah, Bennington got chased after four goals, but you know, he didn't just, you know, go quietly into the night, as they say, he sparked his team. And it's just, you know, you're right about the X factor with Bennington. He gives the blues something that they have, that they terribly lacked with Jake Allen. And that is a, just a radiant confidence in net. So much of a team and their and the overall team's confidence is really rooted in between the pipes. If your goalie is uh, got his head screwed on right, if he's playing well, if he's making big saves, and he's given your got you a chance, you know, to uh, to win games and and be productive, it radiates. Jake Allen always kind of you know he had the yips, and I I I never he never really to me exuded the type of confidence, the type of self-confidence that Jordan Bennington has. So, yeah, lock that up. Give him, give Jordan Bennington a contract just like Jacob Markstrom from Calgary. Exact same contract, six years, $36 million uh, Markstrom signed in the offseason. Bennington is better than Markstrom, at least statistically, in the last three years. So you could even argue that Bennington maybe got a little underrated. I mean, you you had pointed out maybe he would get eight nine million dollars in the open market, maybe seven and a half or eight is kind of what I had pegged. You know, maybe if like Toronto, well, for instance, wanted to, Tor- well, I, splash Toronto the was going to overpay. Toronto yeah. was going to overpay. And yeah, and that and that was a threat that you had coming into this offseason. You, you, what are your other options in goal without Bennington? Because for one, Bennington, as I said, you know he he'll he'll, he'll get fired up. You know, I think, you know, when he had that snit fit against, uh, you know, San Jose, that rallied his teammates. He looks the part. He acts the part. And he often plays like the part, although his mm-hmm. defense could help him out a little bit more. And, yes, like any goalie, Bennington will have his ups and downs. That's any goaltender. I, But I feel that Bennington is a lot more consistent, you know, than, you know, a lot of other goaltenders in this league, just on a game-in, game-out basis. You generally feel like you know – I, at least at this point, what you're getting out of a Jordan Bennington, and that is you are getting a uh, number one capable goaltender. Um, but getting back to the point that I was going to make, so three years of his deal uh, with the Blues is a no trade. They are they're basically saying Jordan Bennington, you're a Blue for these three years, guaranteed. We're not going to trade you. We're not going to ask you to waive your no trade, um, no signing bonus. So you know if we need to get out of your contract, we can. But but generally speaking, three years, no trade. And then the final three years, he has a limited no trade. You know, it it kind of, I think it was 18, 15, and 10 team uh, for years four, five, and six. Also, the bulk of his money that he's getting paid is in through years three through five as well. So he does have some outswags. If uh, if Bennington falters, if he, you know, if the Cinderella clock strikes 12, and the you know the the golden uh, carriage turns into a pumpkin again with Bennington. They can get out of his deal. I think. Um, I I I like the deal. I like the deal. I think I think it it gives Bennington some security. It gives the Blues ability to get out in case it, 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 he doesn't work out well, or if Joe Hofer or Colton Ellis you know emerge. But you don't know that they're going to emerge. They're still prospects. That's why they call them prospects because they're not guarantees that they're going to be good. Or you, you don't know if Eli Huso is going to you know, develop into a number one, probably not at this point. I'm fine with the deal, Wax. What do you think? Yeah, I am too. You have to look at it. You have to unpack this a lot because it's not just, you can't look at it on the surface and go, oh, six by six, that's that's what it is. You, you guys are making great points on this. It's less money early on. 
So he's taking that hometown discount in a sense to make sure that the team can stay competitive. He does get his money. He does get the full no trade for the first three years. Doug Armstrong had to go to six in order to get the AAV to be where it's at throughout the entire contract. So there's a lot of moving parts to this to where it satisfies Jordan Bennington, gives him some security. It gives the Blues some security, but it also gives the Blues some outs as well. So honestly, I think this was a genius deal for them to do because if he does get through the entire six years of this contract with the Blues, that means he's been a damn good goalie or the other guys haven't panned out. But we're not going to think negatively. Okay, We're not going to think negatively. Cole Nellis is our boy. I mean, we just had him on last week. He's going to succeed. Okay, Exactly. Exactly. But after three years, if it's not working out or Hofer or Ellis are ready to go, the Blues have the ability to move him at that point. So I think it ended up being a perfect deal. And kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with the Blues and goalies, look at the goalies that have lasted and been successful in St. Louis. Strong personalities. Jordan Bennington yeah. has a strong personality. Grant Fuhrer had a strong personality. Honestly, Cujo. I think I think Cujo had a strong personality. Those are the guys that lasted as long as they did in St. Louis because of that. And that's why you can trust giving a guy like Jordan Bennington this kind of contract because he has that strong personality. He doesn't take things on his heart. He shakes it off, obviously, and he Mm -hmm. does get fired up and go after some guys occasionally, but that's what you want in a goaltender. And I think that's why it's going to make this deal end up looking halfway decent, at least for the first three years. If, If they have to move him, they have to move him. And you talk about his strong personality. He held a, a Zoom interview with the media on Thursday that I, you know, I, I just watched. I didn't actually ask him a question or anything like that. But I, I one of his responses, I just absolutely loved. You know, not just as a Blues fan, but just you know, when you're talking about that strong personality, I'll let him say it himself. Being on a competitive team was something that matters to me. Mattered to me. Matters to me. And uh, you know, yeah, I don't. I'm not looking to kind of crush the bank. It's all about money to me um you know i think it's in the end of the day uh i I think what you you look back on and you feel in your heart is the memories made and just um competing and and being successful and going through tough times and getting out of them and being there for your teammates and um yeah you know we got a a good respected group here and um you know i'm excited yeah, and that's, you know, some people might listen to that and say, oh, that's just lip service. That's him sucking up to the fan base or whatever. No, knowing, Benning- knowing Bennington the way we do, I mean, this is the same guy that right after he won the cup in Boston, he's got Barry Melrose and Steve Levy next to him. And he says, F, F the haters, F the doubters, uh, believe in yourself. That is Jordan Bennington right there. The guy has a constant chip on his shoulder to, you know, be heard, be noticed, and be recognized as a good goaltender. And he works damn hard at, at, at what he does. I mean, he, he he's a guy that is definitely worth admiring. He has the work ethic. He has the right mindset to do it. And uh, I just love that quote, Mason. You know, I'm not looking to crush the bank, you know. Uh, that, that, that's, add that to the, uh, you know, the uh, Zen of Bennington book that's going to come out later. <laughs> Zen of Bennington book. It's going to be a three-way collaboration between us. We're going to meet the like the the wise many wise words of Jordan Bennington. Uh, <laughs> do I look nervous? And how was it like in a shutout in your first NHL game? It's cool. So you know, it's like you know, I love. Like I said, I made a video on this. It's I love 
Bennington as a person. I love him as a goal. I mean, he gave us, he gift wrapped us a Stanley Cup in 2019. How can I not be happy about that? Exactly. My my only concern with that is, is like I said, A, his stats are already decreasing. And B, you know, it's in three years when we're paying him $6 million, as cap-strapped of a team as we are right now, and we have so many pieces that we want to stick around. And obviously hockey, it's all about, you know, you can't keep everyone. And I get that, but... I think six million makes it a lot harder. And if we and if on the on the chance that we do really need to dump him, he just has three terrible years and we have to dump him, it's gonna take a lot to get rid of him. It's probably gonna include us give it's probably it's gonna be a fleecing of a trade for the other team. So that's that's where I like I'm a blues fan. I'm like anxious about literally everything. I'm already thinking three years into the future. Yeah. But I mean like I said, first three years, six million dollars, that's a steal. Six yeah. million dollars for that at absolute steal, and I love that. After Maybe. that, I just don't want to be making angry videos all the time <laughs> in three years from now. Going, why do we still have Bennington? Put in hope for our Allison, and that's why I do. I did like the the fact that the no trade clause downgraded after the third years because just in case hope for an Ellis show up, and it's really looking like they will. I don't know if you guys have like watched any of their games. I watched a Utica Comets game. They look good. They're good. Yeah. So uh, they, they like okay, Joel Hofer, especially, he gives me Carter Hart vibes. You know, he is good. So yeah. I, hope, I, guess, I hope it's I, year one. I hope it's year one Carter Hart vibes and not your one Carter. Year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Let's, let's this year, he's not so good. He's not so good this year. <laughs> Our old friend Brian Elliott's been getting a lot of starts lately, although he got yanked on Saturday. So who knows what's going to happen there now? Um, so, but basically, what you're saying is in a couple of years, Mason, you're going to be uh, Bennington Hater Reacts on youtube is that right oh i hope i i'm saying i hope not okay okay but just be warned it, it could it could happen it could happen <laughs> it could happen and maybe maybe bennington ends up being doug armstrong's first buyout you know he never he, doug armstrong has never exercised the buyout option for any of his players at this point he doesn't like you know paying dead money in case you haven't noticed doug armstrong is very funny about money okay he doesn't like signing bonuses he doesn't like buyouts you know so you know i it's it, it it I guess it helps keeps the it keeps the roster finances managed, but, uh, but it, it allows guys like Petrangelo, it allows guys like Petro to go away, unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so six of so it just I guess it, that's up to interpretation how uh, good that is or not. Uh, by the way, Mason, I forgot to ask you earlier, you know, about Tom Ackerman's comment that the Golden Knights are now the most hated mm. fan base in St. Louis. Do you agree with that or no? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Uh, if they're in the same division going forward, because there's rumors that they might actually switch up the divisions the next season. Uh, I don't know if you guys mm-hmm. have heard those. Um, but if they're in the same division again, then, yeah, that will very quickly turn into a rivalry just because they play such similar games. You know, they have the two they, they're the two th- teams that have the best fourth lines when healthy in the entire NHL. You know, they play grinding styles. They have people who can just blow past you in speed. <coughs> Jordan Cairo. <laughs> and that's okay. Let me let me go off on a Jordan Cairo tangent, if that's okay. Go ahead. He needs to simplify his game. He's yeah. being way too fancy. I can I saw him try spinorama moves at least twice last game. He needs to simplify. That's why he's not in the score sheet because he's he's I love the fact that he's a young player getting confidence. Yeah. But, but now he's cocky. He's, he's getting, cocky. It, he's getting, getting cocky. 
Yeah, he'd get very cocky. I think he's been, been a victim of his own success, and I think he may be letting that go to his head a little bit. So maybe he deserves like a week in Baruby's doghouse to, you know, maybe get him straight again. <laughs> he's still he's still a young kid, though. So I'm not, I mean, it's just, you're, you're going to run into that. I think Kyrie's just that type of player where you got to rein him in a little bit, you know, of just, just of a little course. bit. Um, by the way, a uh, friend of your uh, program, actually member of Crunch Time, Joe Hamilton asks, what about... Evan Fitzpatrick. Well, I think he has become the Jordan Bennington circa 2014 of this of this whole story. He's kind of become the lost guy for uh, the Blues. Uh, last year, 2019-20, he split in the ECHL between Tulsa and Brampton. Rest in peace, Brampton Beast, by the way. They folded. And uh, he had goals against averages of 3.39 in seven games with Tulsa and 4.73 with Brampton and an 80, 83% save percentage and a sub-9 save percentage in Tulsa. This is the ECHL. This is the double A. So mm-hmm. I think the bloom is off the proverbial rose with Evan right. Fitzpatrick, unfortunately. Right. Well, I saw, I saw him when the Oilers came to uh, came to Utah to face off against the Grizzlies. Fitzpatrick was a net, so I went to that game, and I was like, oh, I am so glad he's not a blue right now. <laughs> you know, he was just getting yeah. – I think I think the Grizzlies scored eight goals in that game, and he was in that for six of them. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> By the way, something that a lot of people said, you mentioned the possible division reshuffling. When it was announced that Arizona was going to move to the Central, I think a lot of Blues fans actually wanted Vegas to come to the Central. I think that was actually something Blues fans wanted because we do kind of – you know, for one, it's cheap to fly to Vegas and back. I mean, it's it, you, know, you can fly a Legion for like 50 bucks to Vegas, you know, one way. Um, so that's one thing. But with this a budding rivalry, I mean, you know, yes, we kind of got one going with Arizona a little bit just because of that seven game series. But I don't feel it has the gravitas that a Blues Vegas rivalry would have. So if they decide to change their minds in Arizona, guys, uh, we'll start off with Wags on this one. Would you rather see Vegas move over than Arizona? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I, I really don't want either because they are both becoming just pains in the asses to play against. <laughs> but I mean, I think you always want to prove yourself against the best And Vegas is a team that right now is one of the tops in the Western conference. Uh, they've got you know, the draws of Petrangelo and Reeves, former players for the blues that you would be able to draw in on. Yes. Arizona's got Clayton Keller, a St. Louis boy, but there's just something about, you know, your former captain playing for them that yeah. people get you know anxious about. Yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing it. I think it would be, I mean, it'd be a hell of a division though. If you've got the blues, Vegas, Colorado, if Minnesota continues to play that they, the way that they play right now, you've got a Nashville team that is always just a pain in the ass anyway. And throw in Dallas too. I mean, that's, that is like one of the most toughest divisions that you can even think of. If you throw Vegas in there. And I think they, you know, the, the NHL probably wants to have some competitive balance, but then again, yeah. do you really want two expansion teams in the same division as well? And yeah, Vegas is still considered an expansion team. They're not going to lose a player in the expansion draft. Bullshit. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, they, they may not want to do that as well. But I, I think, I think that the mindset will stay with Arizona sticking in the Central. Uh, but I would be okay with Vegas coming to the Central. It'd be it'd be fun for sure. What about you, Mason? Um. I, I'm with Wags on this one. It would be fun for sure, but then again, Central Division has always been the toughest division to play anyway for the last five years now, and just to add that on just makes it that much harder. So, I mean, as much as I would love to see, you know, Vegas be a rival team to St. Louis, and 
Vegas is my local team, so I get to see my Blues a lot more often because you know, eight you play playing how many games? Like four or five games against them. So I would, as much as I would love to see that, uh, you know, I don't want every single year to be such a disaster for the Blues. And while <laughs> as good of a roster as they might have, they're getting their ass kicked by every single team. But it's not anything yeah. to do with how bad they are. It's just that everyone else is good. So I do like it being a little bit spread out. I like the Knights in the Pacific Division because I really like that Vegas San Jose rivalry, Fair. but I don't mind that Arizona rivalry because, like he likes what I said, both teams are a pain in the ass. So yeah. I, uh, I like seeing, I love seeing the Blues beat the Coyotes mostly because they can very much beat the Coyotes. Can they beat the Vegas Golden Knights? I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it w- I would like it for just the spice and the flavor of you know Vegas and the Central and, and facing mm-hmm. them more more often, um, and also cheap flights to Vegas selfishly. But mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it. You're right. It would make the Central Division basically death row. You know, because mm-hmm. you would have Vegas, you'd have Colorado, you have uh, Minnesota, you'd have Dallas in there, uh, and then the Blues. You know, so that's like five. You know, only four teams can go in. Yeah. You know, and you're talking five teams here. I mean, maybe you get both wild cards, but that's not a guarantee. So you know, there's probably going to be one team in that arrangement the next five years that feels like, well, we had a window until these fuckers showed up, and then now we're just, <laughs> we've been we we've been, we've been in fifth in division the last three years. I mean, those fucking assholes. Um, so yeah, so I I would rather yeah, I'm okay with Arizona coming over. Um, and you know, we maybe we can you know turn our fortunes around against them, and you know, beat up on them, beat up on Chicago, and beat on this team that is always a favorite of sister wives everywhere. What's up, y'all, and greetings from the hockey city of Smashville, home of the Nashville Predators, and home to a new hockey podcast, the Catfish and Ice Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Join hosts Chad Benton, Rich Howe, and Colin Bluin every week as we bring to you hard-hitting and unfiltered Nashville Predators hockey analysis while also diving into the entertainment and music world here in Music City. We have a lot of fun doing it, now is the time to join us for the ride, hockey fans. New episodes of the Catfish Nice Podcast every Tuesday and Friday. Download the Catfish Nice Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever else you get your podcast. All right, that's enough of that. So uh, first things first, that was our THPN promo of the week. We had to get that in. We got it in. Number two, if you thought the music was loud and, you know, kind of drowned out his voice, well, that's Bridgestone Arena in general. The music there, they cranked the volume knob up to 11 in that place. And, like, when I was there, you know, as a member of the media, my table was shaking every time they played music just because mm-hmm. of the bass that was going. So that's just that's just capturing the vibe of Bridgestone. So we'll we'll forgive Catfish on Ice. Uh, for oh, that I one. love that kind of atmosphere in an arena. I love it loud. It, that's why I love going to Vegas games, to be yeah. honest, because it's just such a loud atmosphere and everyone's at the bass is thumping and everybody's jumping. Mm-hmm. You know, I should make a rap out of that. I didn't mean to rhyme that. But at the same time, <laughs> I love I love arenas like that i love Bridgestone yeah. arena i their fans are i i we're starting beef again with them again but like their their fans mm. are amazing like they're, they 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 support their team ravenously and Look, you know I, I wish the blues had a little more of that 
Yeah, let me say this for Nashville and their fans. You know, I, I like to razz them a little bit, you know, the whole sister wives thing and all that. And, you know, their, you know, their fan base can be a little antagonistic towards blues fans. That's how rivalries work, okay? We yeah. have to jab each other. You know, it's it's not all gonna be nice rivalries like us and the Hawks, you know, where we don't really it's more you know, they, they call the cards and cubs the friendly rivalry. I feel that's kind of like where the blues and hawks have kind of you know merged in recent years. But you know, the predators they 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 can antagonize, but yet when I went there to Bridgestone arena for thanksgiving uh, week of 2019 yes the in-game presentation it's awesome if you're a preds fan they cater mm-hmm. to their fans they make it hard for out-of-towners to get tickets to go to bridgestone arena i mean i had to scalp my tickets to get in there because i don't live in the zip codes that are allowed for you know straight up purchasing from the team um mm-hmm. but all the nashville fans i dealt with and my dad dealt with he went with me as well and he sat in the uh upper deck area uh fans were cool they were actually cool fans. You know, they were they were mm-hmm. good to chat with. They were very laid back and chill. Nashville in general is kind of a cool town if you ever uh, get a chance to go. It's, uh, um, you know, for one, yes, you got the main drag where you have all the uh, honky-tonk bars, you know, right there by the arena, which is really nice. Um, but it's just it's just a fun city. I, I, so, yeah. yes, I know it sounds sacrilegious for a Blues fan to be, you know, hyping up Nashville like this. But <sighs> let's just say it like it is. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a fun town. Yeah. If you guys are... We're going to have that, too, here. We're going to have that, too, here. Once the the new soccer stadium opens up, you know, everything down that road between the stadium, Union Station, Enterprise, Bush, I mean, that's going to be an epically great stretch of road there. And can you just imagine having, you know, a Cardinal baseball game, a Blues playoff game, a a St. Louis City SC game going on and, you know, just get up in the the big wheel and just catch it all. I mean, that St. Louis is, is well on its way to becoming a better more fan interactive city. And I, I can't wait for that. Yeah. I really, once that's, once that soccer stadium comes in and it's going to be right in the heart of everything, they're setting that place up to be a very nice hangout, you know, just for, yeah. just for, even if you're not a soccer fan, it's just a nice hangout. They're really redeveloping the area. And that's been a knock for St. Louis in the, in, over the past, you know, few decades is that it's not the most, uh, I, the way it's, I mean, you don't have like a big fan complex for like all their sports like Kansas City does. You have to like park in street parking. You know, you have to mm-hmm. pass by, you know, a couple homeless people on the street sometimes to get to the arena. That's just that's just part of the flavor of downtown St. Louis. Um, I feel this soccer stadium is going to be, you know, maybe maybe kind of shying away from that a little bit because for one, you might be able to park, say, at Union Station, for instance. Go to a like like go to a soccer game. Like say you have a soccer game in the afternoon at one o'clock. Go to a soccer game, have fun with that, and then you know get out of there, hang out for a little while, then go to the Blues game right down the street. You know at you know six seven o'clock. You don't have to move. You can you're 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 going to be right there. You know it's 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 shaping up to be a really nice complex, and I can't yeah. I can't wait for that. And that's by the it's, way, happy St. Louis Day, everybody. Happy three one four day to uh, to everyone here. Um, anyone that's watching right now, happy Albert Einstein Day, happy Pi Day. Uh, if you're uh, watching uh, this on YouTube or Facebook on Sunday, we stream every Sunday. So if you're listening to the audio version, please uh, check that out. Follow the Justin Falk Stand Club on uh, Facebook as well as Blue Notes Pod on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. We certainly appreciate your patronage. Uh, one final thought here before we uh, head out here this afternoon. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford put out an article about the uh, possible Blues trade tiers and who the Blues could possibly move, what other what you know prospects other teams might want. 
check that out. We're not actually going to like, you know, read it verbatim here, but it kind of led me to an interesting thought here. And actually maybe even, even Wags that uh, brought this up here as well. The Blues have been kind of playing like a 500 team lately. You know, they're, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're 14, nine and five. So that's, you know, when you count the overtime losses, yeah, that'd be right at about 500. Um, so the question I'm going to pre- present to you guys, we'll go with Wags here first. Do the Blues need to make a move? Oh man, it, with the cap, and how do you and how do you make it with the yeah, situation? That's the thing uh, with the cap the way it is. It almost feels like it's impossible for them to be able to make a move. Uh, you know, I've said all along that I think Vince Dunn is not long for this team. I think uh, if you're going to see a move at all that the Blues make, it's yeah. going to be subtraction more than addition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think a guy like Vince Dunn is probably going to be moved out. Uh, yeah, and and I this this is the the clichéest of clichés but you're getting a bunch of injured guys potentially coming back and that's going to make a huge difference for this team. And if they're able to come back, you know, that first week of April when the stretch is starting to get tough. Yeah. You may have a couple of games where they're trying to get acclimated and get back up to speed, but having those guys back for that stretch run in April is going to be huge. And I'm not going to say it's like making a trade because that's the most overused concept in sports, but it, it, it's really what's going to happen is you're going to get these injured players back and you should be able to kind of get back to your style of play with the lines that you want to be able to play with. Uh, so I think if anything, do they need to make a deal? I think if something presents himself and they can get a guy like <coughs> Kopitar, uh, my favorite player, that's a non-blue. Uh, if they can find a way fair, to make that work, fair. I would, I would do that. But I think more than anything, you're going to see more of a subtraction than an addition and just hope that these injured players come back. By the way, the one player that uh, Jeremy Rutherford suggested, if they're going to do anything that would be moved, Vince Dunn. Uh, he noted mm-hmm. that Dunn was on the trade block earlier this season. He might still be, if not for the Blues, need on defense. Yeah. He notes with Scandella playing well, which he has been playing relatively well. Uh, Mikola emerging, Prunovic expected back next season. You also have Jake Wallman in the mix as well. It seems like this conversation could spark back up in the summer, if not sooner. Now, we know they're not going to make a trade to quote-unquote, oh, we're going to lose him to Seattle, so we may as well get rid of him. Doug Armstrong has said in the past they're not going to do that because you're basically trading. You're getting rid of one problem, but then you're creating another because, like, if you mm-hmm. trade a done away, then are you, you know, you might lose Sammy Blay. So it's like, you know, what are, I mean, what, it's kind of like at that point, what's the point? Um, Mason, what do you think? Do you think the Blues need to make a move? I saw a really interesting tweet the other day uh, exper- ex- experimenting with the idea of maybe moving Mike Hoffman. And oh. while he might, while he's got, a, if you think about this, like I, I saw the tweet and I was like, Ugh, no, but then I thought about it. He's been a good player for sure. Yes. He hasn't been Mike Hoffman though. He hasn't been Mike Hoffman good yet. No, I'm sure that he will later in the season, but he just hasn't yet. But it got me thinking he's got a great cap hit right now. $4 million. He's a lot. There's a lot of teams that could use a Mike Hoffman. That's a lot of value right there. I you know, think maybe you, you I, could you can use that as leverage for say an Andre Kopitar. I'm sure the Kings would bite on some similar deal. Not maybe, definitely not a one for one. But I mean, you definitely you'd have to throw something else in there. Maybe a draft pick or two. Maybe a prospect. I think they could get that done. I you know, and I and here's the thing with Hoffman. I brought this up last night. You know, on that five on three Blues power play late in the game, Mike Hoffman wasn't out there. Mike Hoffman wasn't out there. Tarasenko was. We saw a lot of him. So was that Hoffman's true reason for being a blue, just to be a Band-Aid, 
until Tarasenko is back. And now that Tarasenko is back, is his purpose served? Is 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 it, is it done now? Because the one thing with Hoffman, and I I, I see what. The analytics say whenever they say that he's just a one-dimensional shooter. That's like literally all he will provide you. He's got an excellent shot and he can score. That I feel I feel that's true with Hoffman because you don't see him playing a lot of defense. He mm-hmm. goes invisible for, for, for long periods of time. Yes, he can score. It's just, you know, they haven't been able to really take advantage of that, I think, as much as they wanted to this year. So I think if there's a hockey trade to be made where the Blues get something, you know, from the pro level in return, maybe like for a like a one for one swap, maybe a upgrade on defense, something like that, I wouldn't be opposed to them looking to move Hoffman out. I mean, yeah, he's a dynamic scorer, and you know, on a contending team, you shouldn't be the one looking to trade a guy like that. But it kind of makes sense to me a little bit, you know, especially if you're pretty sure he's not going to be coming back this offseason. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to be coming back this no, offseason. He won't. No, yeah, you we talk, all knew you, that. Well, we knew that the moment that contract was signed, that he wasn't going to stick around for any longer than that one season. He just, he just wanted a place to land, and uh, just to like kind of, I guess, build up his trade value. I think is what a lot of that had to do with. And then you know he signs a lucrative next season. He's going to get six and a half. Yeah, you know he's going to somebody fine. is going to overpay probably the Leafs, and he's going to he's going to go to a really really good team, and he's going to you know, be a really successful player on that team. But like you said, he brings a shot. What else does he really bring? I mean, he's not the fastest guy out there. He's fast, but he's not the fastest guy. He can hit, but he's not the, he's not the biggest hitter, but he can hit Uh, in a pinch. He can defense is just like, let's not talk about the defensive aspect of his game. Cause it's just, it's it's practically non-existent. Yeah. I mean, so going back to the question, do I think the blue should make a move? Not necessarily. I mean, like I said, there were decimated in injuries right now. So that's a that's it is a factor. It's not a huge factor because it's a lot of it has to do, like I said, motivation. But it is a factor in why the Blues haven't been able to beat teams like like uh like uh Arizona, like uh Colorado, like San Jose and LA. So yeah, you just gotta I believe in this group. I believe fully healthy this team is maybe not I said at the beginning of the season a contender. I haven't really seen that. Um, yeah. but I mean certainly they are a playoff team, you know, the way that they are. Just stop getting injured, dude. Stop. I like know. if you have to sacrifice your firstborn to Cthulhu, fucking do it. Like I'm so <laughs> sick of this. You heard it here, folks. If you need <clears throat> to avoid getting injured, sacrifice your firstborn to Cthulhu. Cthulhu, guys, Cthulhu. It's, for, it's uh, worked in the past for for ancient civilizations. Let's just let's just keep with the, let's keep the trend going, huh? That, you know that's fair. That that that's yeah. totally fair. Uh, yeah. I I'm of the mind that I think it might be too hard for the Blues to make a move with the cap situation and their roster situation the way it is. But if they can make a hockey move involving Mike Hoffman and or Vince Dunn, or maybe you get a you know boatload of prospects for one or both of them, mm-hmm. uh, I think you explore that. But I don't necessarily think it's a need per se. It would be just a matter of getting assets for, you know, two assets of your own that you may not have a long term future vision of. Um, That's just but you got to let that deal come to you. I don't think that's something that necessarily Mm -hmm. the Blues should be looking to force. And by the way, if there's one player on this team that I would argue is an untouchable right now, can we just (laughs) say Dakota Joshua is a keeper? Oh yeah, the killer totally He's grown on me. He's officially grown on me. Already a goal, already a fight. Keep it up, Dakota Joshua. He's a face-off wizard as well. I he's mean, a wizard dude. Yeah. Oh my god. 
this gets a find. Uh, you know, Wags, I'm I'm starting to wonder maybe if I should start finding a Dakota Joshua jersey to add to my collection. I don't I know if you want to go that nah. far. He, need, but... he, he, he needs to run over Ryan Reeves a couple more times for that to happen, I think. Yeah, just one more time. One more night and get into a fight with uh, – who should he fight? He should get into a fight with, uh, with uh, Mark Borietsky. Borietsky, there fight with him And, then, uh, and then he'll officially be a blue for the rest of his life. Sign him to a $15 million deal. Let's go. Did By anybody way, else it... find it odd, though, that Ryan Reeves wasn't the guy that dropped the gloves in that instance? I well, mean, he was the guy that got hit. That's because he got clapped. Yeah, so. but, but yeah, Ryan gets... Reeves is a guy that, that would always he... stand up for, for himself, and it okay, almost okay, felt okay. like the well, guy stand up for him. While he was scraping himself up off the ice, I did kind of notice Reeves give Joshua some dap for knocking uh, oh, yeah. him over. There was like a respectful tap on the leg, you know, or whatever. Uh, and he definitely, I mean, but then Coleslaw came in and just completely ruined the moment. But yeah, uh, Coleslaw is his name, but we'll call him Coleslaw. No, it's not, Coleslaw. We, no, we got to get a gift now. You got to create a gift now of, a, of Coleslaw in a Vegas Knights jersey. I mean, you have to. Oh, totally. Totally, yeah, totally. It's funny. How many how many players in this league, deadass, have the balls to hit Ryan Reeves like that? Not many. Maybe a dozen. And to go to Joshua said, all right, bet. And then just freaking clapped him. I loved it. Also, uh, Luke Whitman reminds us that you might want to wait for a number change yeah. before yes. investing in Joshua. Because Kairu was 33, and now he's uh, 25. So, you know, anyone that got a Kairu 33 jersey, let me know. Um, I've been guilty, by the way, of getting of of getting player jerseys, and then they make a number change. Like I have a Rasmus Dahlin Buffalo Sabres jersey that I had customized, and I thought for sure he was going to stick with his junior's number of eight. No, he's twenty four. Also, mm-hmm. Dahlin kind of sucks because he's a uh, on the Buffalo Sabres and they destroy everyone. So well, yeah, of course, kind of sad, kind of sad. Anyway, yeah. that's that's I think that's going to do it for me, guys. Uh, any final thoughts, uh, Wags? No, I, I think that this is uh, the week to get the ship right, and hopefully we get some of these injured players back here very, very shortly. I haven't heard any updates as far as any of these guys are turning, uh, yeah. but if we hear anything, you'll be the first to know on this uh, this fine show. We'll be uh, right. excited to bring back guys, so make sure you check out that. Yeah, I think some of the injured players, uh, Roland was, was asking earlier if uh, we've heard when the injured players start coming back. Some of them are skating, I think, but at the very mm-hmm. least. I know Bozak was skating but that's just kind of, I think their return dates are up in the air at this point. Uh, Mason, any final thoughts? Uh, I heard Pareko is actually skating really well right now. That's which is huge. So, I mean, once, uh, hopefully we see him in the next, I have a feeling we'll see him definitely in the next month or so, but uh, at the same time, you know, just play to the whistle for God's sake. Don't fall asleep. Yes, play until the final 60-minute buzzer goes off. Seriously, it's not – I guess it is – I was going to say it's not that hard, but it's NHL hockey, so it it, it is hard, but at least compared to what I'm I'm capable of. I mean, Wags is the athlete amongst us here, so – That's that's stretching things. (laughs) (laughs) One v one me, Wags. Let's go. (laughs) Uh, Don't you have a career-ending injury that you're dealing with? Yeah, I can't play organized hockey. I can't play organized hockey. Okay. 1v1 you. I'll 1v1 you. Play outlaw hockey. I love it. <laughs> Tom outlaw. can be goalie. There we go. Yeah. I always wanted to be a goalie growing up, but my hockey, hockey was too expensive for my family. I never actually got to play. Especially so. goaltending. Yeah. That and also I think my dad had mercy on me because I was never a great ice skater. So 
Mm. Which is why is it just being a goalie? Partly, I mean that just because I like playing goalie. But okay, we'll do it on we'll do it on rollerblades. We'll do roller hockey. Okay, yeah. then you can use your tennis shoes. Let's yeah, get get, get get your ass. That's how I played on the street growing up. I you know all, all the other dorks had skates on, but no, I used my tennis shoes. Let's do it. Get to Let's St. Louis. It. Get to St. Louis basin. Get to St. We'll play some street hockey. All right, we'll play some street hockey. Let's do it. Let's do it. That'll be a killer vlog. <laughs> Yeah, uh, although I got to shoot left-handed because I have a Nico Mikolas stick behind me. It's uh, actually right, gotcha. right there. And then there's also a Rick Nash stick. They were both mm-hmm. lefties, and I'm a righty, so I'm going to have to learn how to shoot lefty, I think. Wait, are you a lefty or righty, Wags? Uh, uh, righty. I'm a lefty. See, I'm the only lefty here. Ha-ha! Oh, man. Oh, man. We're screwed. We're screwed. Yeah, you're screwed. All righty, that, that's going to do it for this episode. Uh, I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you – there is no me, there is no Wags, there is no Mason, the lefty, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin, reminding you to not be a chump, and what was that you said last, Mason? Play to the whistle! A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out! listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl new episodes every monday download at the hockey podcast or wherever you get your podcasts from